You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy week four. Where does the time go? You listen to Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior. And with me today, also from Fan Rack Sports, author of the weekly two-start uh, pitcher guide and many other good, useful uh, fantasy pieces, Jim Finch. Uh, so, Jim, well, welcome very much to the show. Thanks for having me back again, Al. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So a uh, few news items to get into right away here. Uh, just uh, maybe about an hour or so before the show, Phillies placed Aaron Nola on the 10-day DL with a back strain. So fortunately, uh, you know, as, as glad as we can be for any injury, it's not the elbow. Uh, it is a back issue. And he may only miss one or maybe two starts. And it could mean possibly uh, on Wednesday when Nola's turn comes up, the Major League Day of Nick Pavetta, who we've talked about on this program before, somebody I've got stashed in a couple leagues, but I would assume that if it is Pavetta, probably not up for, for very long. So, uh, But if you were planning on using Nola this week, get him out of your rotation. And back in the lineup for the Orioles, uh, Seth Smith, he has missed a few games with a hamstring injury, and uh, he's not only back in the lineup, but batting leadoff and playing right field against the Rays and Chris Archer today. Uh, now, Jim, we've got uh, a few Mets items throughout the show, but I think the big one, at least, you know, we need to get to right away in terms of lineup setting purposes. Yohanna Cespedes told Terry Collins he expects he'll be back on Tuesday. Just seems like there are a lot of cases where players say they're ready and they're really not. Um, are you sufficiently reassured to start Cespedes this week? You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, when a player says something, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. Until you actually hear it from the team, you're really not sure what to make of it. But if he said he says he's ready, I'm going to assume he's close. He may not start Tuesday. He may maybe only get like a pitch hit just to see if he's ready, and he'll be in there Wednesday. But I'm thinking four or five days he should be able to play. If you play in like a 10-team league or something which starts three outfielders, I'm not sure if I'd put him in, but four or more, I would probably roll the dice unless there's something decent out there on waivers. And this early, there actually are some pretty good outfield options available. So, I don't know. It all, it all really depends on your format and what's out there for you. Yeah, not I agree. You know, if it's not a really deep format, there there are always some pretty good outfield options. That seems to be where I, I have the most depth on most of my teams. But um, you know, I think about as recently as maybe twenty four hours ago, the the word on Cespedes at that point was he was only gonna miss two or three games and then uh then there was a report that maybe he'd have to go on the DL. So it's it's really been a back and forth thing, but I, I would you know, in most leagues, maybe not in a ten teamer, but I think anything deeper. I'd go ahead and start Cespedes. Uh, if you miss a game or two, I think he'll still give you enough to, to make it worth your while. Uh, Shelby Miller left his start yesterday with a tight forearm, so that is always a scary thing to hear about any pitcher, and he is scheduled to get an MRI today. Jack Peterson also left uh, the game uh, his game early yesterday with right groin tightness, so no further word on him, but I would assume for now that uh, Peterson is day-to-day, and he's... 
I think Jim Peterson's got a little bit of a different stratum, uh, and I would I would go ahead and sit him this week. What would you do? I'd probably sit him as well. I mean, you've got the bad average, the high Ks, inability to hit lefties. I mean, everything's been playing against him since he's come into the league, and with the slow start he's gotten right now with the batting average combined with the Combined with the groin injury, I would. It's probably a lot safer to start him. I mean, um, like I said with uh, Cespedes, there's plenty of other outfielders out there that you can get along benching him for a week. Yeah, absolutely. Kendall Graveman is scheduled to throw a bullpen session today, so he could start as soon as this Thursday. He's actually eligible to come off. I think it's Tuesday, uh, but they've already. Uh, you know, the A's already have uh, Jesse Hahn lined up for Tuesday. So Graveman may be able to start uh, Thursday at the Angels. Are you going to start Graveman this week? Um, I usually don't like to start any kind of middle-of-the-rotation guys fresh off the fresh off the DL. I'd like to give him one or two starts. He had a decent start to, to the season, but I don't know how much of that was uh, stunted by him being on the DL, so I'd probably hold off on him. Yeah, no, I left him on my bench, too. I've got him in one league and had, a, fortunately, the luxury of having, uh, I think, three two-star pitchers in that particular rotation. So, uh, you know, I think you, there's some, some good two-star options out there. So I think you can afford to leave Graveman and his maybe one start uh, on your bench or, or your DL. Uh, and one more item before we head to break, uh, Jim. The Mariners promoted Dan Vogelbach yesterday, and they DFA'd Leonis Martin. Uh, that was a bit of a surprising move. Uh, so Guillermo Heredia is going to uh, take uh, his place, uh, Martin's place. And uh, we'll talk about this situation when we come back in a little bit. We're going to go for a break. But uh, stick around. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and my guest today, also from FanRag Sports, is Jim Finch. And right before going to break, uh, Jim, we were talking about the couple of surprising moves from the Mariners. I mean, maybe not a shock to see Dan Vogelbach coming back up. We knew that was going to happen eventually. But to make room for him, they took Leandus Martin off the 40-man roster. So it appears that Guillermo Heredia will inherit a starting spot in the outfield. Um... And uh, they'll, you know, shift uh, around a bit. I'm wondering if you have some interest in Heredia, but uh, also I'm thinking Taylor Motter, who uh, has, you know, he's a very uh, versatile player, is off to a great start, lots of power. Could see him maybe getting a little bit of time in left field. What's your level of interest uh, with Heredia and with Motter? I'm more interested in Motter. I mean, you got Segura coming back, so everyone assumes that he's going to be the odd man out and just just assume a bench role, but he could take on that super utility like Wilmer Flores type role. I mean, he plays basically every position in the minors, I think, except second base. He's got a nice mix of power and speed, and he could basically be what Valencia was for Oakland last year in Seattle this year, playing you know playing all over the field, so if... Anyone gets increased playing time, I think it's going to be moderate out of the two of them. And plus, Vogelbeck wasn't doing that great in AAA anyway, and he didn't have a strong spring, so there's no guarantee that he's going to get every day at bat, so moderate could see some time at first base as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's occurred to me as well. So uh, I think that uh, 
Scott Service could find all kinds of places to keep Modder in the lineup. Maybe not uh, you know six days a week, but but pretty close to it. So, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Not that interested in Heredia, but Modder. I in, in some leagues I've already missed my chance at him, and and I sort of regret that. Uh, well, before we move on to a few other news items. Quick word about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play now. And listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king, Scott Engel, on the couch, or Jake Seeley while you're jogging. Keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So uh, going to some closer news now, Jim. Uh, Zach Britton, good news for him. Had an MRI, came back clean. But he will see a hand specialist today just to make sure that there's nothing there that's going to create any uh, sort of uh, peripheral problems for him. Uh, so if you were thinking about getting Britain back with that good news, uh, he has not even played catch yet. And once he does that, he'll still probably need to go out for uh, at least a couple of rehab appearances. So I would think Britain definitely out for this week. Uh, Brad Brock, good to go, you think, for week four? Yeah, I actually own him in a few leagues. I think he's a great short-term ad. I I was thinking that maybe they might put O'Day in there, but Brock's been doing a pretty good job. So if he's still out there, if you need saves or just this week, he's a decent ad. Yeah, I think very good ad. Uh, and the, the national situation, just when you thought that got cleared up, it got muddied again. Uh, as you know, late uh, last week, Dusty Baker came out and, well, first he talked to uh, Sean Kelly privately and told him he was the closer. And then he talked to reporters and said, well, they're both going to close games, both Kelly and Coda Glover. But Kelly's basically the main main guy, except when he needs rest. And then on Saturday, Kelly got that rest. Coda Glover came in, got the save against the Mets. And then Sunday... Dusty Baker went to Coda Glover again. So what do you make out, make out of all this? You really can't make anything out of anything <laughs> that Dusty Baker does. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you see the two saves. You want to pick up Glover. You know Kelly's going to get in there. I, it's just going to be a mess until Dusty Baker, and this is a big if if he ever does this, actually settles on a closer and commits to that closer. I mean, there's one thing in saying that this guy's our closer, but to actually commit to it, until he actually does that, uh, it, it's almost pointless to own anybody in Washington as far as closures go. You know, I, I pretty much agree, and, and maybe I'm, I'm foolish to do this. I feel like I've just I've gotten you know yanked back and forth on this situation so many times because I was telling people before Dusty uh, you know made that decision with Kelly, they should opt for Glover because Kelly does have the the health history the. Uh, durability questions with him. So I thought, you know, Glover probably going to get the, the bulk of the saves. Um, now I'm, I'm actually sort of trusting Dusty to some extent. Uh, I'd say if Glover goes out the next time, then all bets are off. But but for right now, I, I think if you're going to speculate on one, in a lot of leagues, you don't necessarily have the luxury to avoid situations like this. Uh, if you had to go with somebody, I would, I would still go with Kelly. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, one that we'll, we'll have to keep watching. And in terms of uh, keeping an eye on things, uh, the weather forecast for tonight, it's, it's a pretty small slate. Uh, and it's one that might 
get shrunken a little bit because uh, the Orioles, uh, there's a, a very, very uh, good chance of rain for that contest. Uh, Tampa Bay at Camden Yards, currently a 70% chance of precipitation with that game. Uh, although the precipitant, uh, precipitation chance does go down a bit as the game wears on. So we talked about Seth Smith earlier back in the lineup. Uh, if you were thinking of starting him or anybody in the, the Orioles lineup, uh, going with Chris Archer for the Rays, or if you want to go to the Baldo, uh, the, that game could be in danger of a delay or a cancellation. And also in terms of the Orioles lineup, that game does go. No Trey Mancini in the lineup. So that one you can be certain about. Got Hunsu uh, Kim playing left field. No Mancini in the lineup. And the other lineups that are out right now, the Cubs and the Pirates, and with the Cubs, there is, um, pardon me, I just I knew there was uh, oh, Miguel Montero catcher. So no Wilson Contreras. No Wilson Contreras tonight in the starting lineup for the Cubs against the Pirates. All right, Jim. Well, getting back to some of the news items for this week, Salvador Perez was out again on Sunday with a stiff neck. It was initially reported that he should be back for Sunday. Is Perez somebody that you would be hesitant to start this week? Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's a crapshoot out there with catchers right now because you had so many guys off to a slow start that the few decent guys that were out there are basically snatched up. I mean, if... If you are thinking about benching him this week, if you have the extra spot on your uh, roster, maybe pick up the Milwaukee tandem if you don't have uh, weekly lineups and play whoever's starting in that way. But otherwise, I might have to roll with Salvador Perez over what's available. Yeah, I, you know, and this does not seem like a, a serious injury. He's out a little bit longer than was initially forecasted, but I think you're right. Between the scarcity of options and uh, – you know, and the severity of the injury, I, I would pretty much roll with Perez. Definitely a two catcher league, one catcher league. Maybe if I could, you know, still get Austin Hedges or you know a hot hand like that. Maybe I sit him, but I, I think chances are I'm not going to have a better option. Uh, Luis Valbuena, he might be close to getting back for the Angels. He's been out with a hamstring injury, but he is scheduled to play somewhere between five and seven rehab games in the California League for Inland Empire. And staying on the West Coast, uh, this uh, piece of news from the San Jose Mercury News, Denard Spann said that he sprained his SC joint in his right shoulder. He had that very same injury in 2012, and at that point, he missed three weeks. So it's not clear whether or not this uh, injury is as severe as the one that Spann had in 2012. So for now, he is still listed day-to-day. Uh, but, uh, you know, Span, obviously somebody I think you want to avoid, certainly for this week, but may even be a longer term injury than that for Denard Span. Also, the Giants may recall Drew Stubbs to provide some outfield, de- uh, outfield depth. But I don't imagine that we would see Stubbs getting a whole lot of playing time this week. So something to, to keep an eye on there. And the Twins have just called up Nick Tepish. He's going to go uh, to the bullpen for now. But according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the Twins initially had a plan when they called up Buddy Boschers to uh, let Tepish stay in the minors to get stretched out, to actually go in the rotation spot that was vacated by Alberto Mejia. But now with Tepish uh, going to the bullpen, that plan might be scrapped. So, Jim, the question for me is, is it time to go and stash Jose Barrios? I've been pushing for Barrios since day one. I mean, I can see why they sent him down, but 
he's got three great games under his under his belt already. He's got a two six seven ERA and a one WHIP over two hundred nine innings at AAA. So the guy's got nothing left to prove. And tomorrow's basically the anniversary for when they called him up last year. So it's not a matter of if he's going to get called up; it's when. And I I can see him being called up anytime within the next week or two. And the numbers he put up last year has soured a lot of people. That that should make his availability even better. So if Barrios is available in your league, I would definitely stash him on my bench. All right. Well, I think that is great advice. Good timing. Go get Barrios now. we got to head to break again. We'll come back and take a look at some of the standout hitting performances from Sunday. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host of this show. And the guest today, also from FanRag Sports, is Jim Finch. And, Jim, we've got uh, a six-pack of uh, hitters who did very, very well. Well, actually, I take that back. Six hitters who had notable performances. Not all of them were great. One in particular was not so great. Uh, in fact, let's start there. Todd Frazier, he did get uh, a stolen base against the Indians on Sunday but and one for four. But uh, with another strikeout, he also walked. So I guess not a, a wholly unproductive performance for Frazier, but certainly not enough to move him off uh, uh, the uh, low batting average needle, uh, just 108 on the season. So Todd Frazier, do you stick with him for week four or is three weeks of misery enough? Yeah, three weeks is enough. I mean, I do have faith it'll come around, but right now he's really not doing anything. He's harming your team, if anything, if you have him in your lineup. So you need some sort of replacement on Frazier. But on a positive note, I mean, the strikeout rate is at 21%, so that's down from last year. The walk rates are in double digits right now. His contact rate's at a career high, and he's got a 111 bat bit, and that's not going to stay that low. So there is signs and hope that he will bounce back, but until I actually see him perform at the plate, he's better off on your bench. Yeah, well, and, you know, that's a good point that the strikeouts aren't really out of control, particularly by, you know, by his standards. And and with Frazier, I mean, he's not he's not going to be a one eleven BABIP guy, but he's not going to be a normal BABIP guy either. You know, uh, I think by all by all chances. So you, I think you know, fancy owners who you know been around a while, they know that Frazier is not somebody that's going to help you with batting average. It's all about the power for him, and there just has not been enough production just yet for Todd Frazier. So. Wouldn't blame somebody for sitting him. I guess it depends on your options. I, you know, I tend to be be kind of patient, so I, I do think that it could be any given week that Frazier uh, that Frazier goes off. But uh, if you have you know good option, uh, you know it, it could be time to to give him a breather. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, on the other hand, red hot. He's now hitting three forty seven. Went five for five at the Orioles on Sunday. Uh, on the surface, it might seem like there's not a whole lot to say about Benintendi. I mean, he was, you know, trusted by owners on draft day. You know, typically taken as a number three outfielder, even though he had only 118 plate appearances last year in his his first year in the majors. 
But, uh, you know, he's doing exactly what people expect him to do. He's hit, hitting for average and not striking out a lot, which is what he did in the minors, getting on base. But there is just one home run for Ben Benintendi so far. He's got an 097 ISO. Uh, should we just be content to get batting average from Ben Benintendi this year? Uh, and obviously some pretty good run production. Or do you think that there's actually even more upside here uh, for his first full season? That was one of my biggest issues that I had with people in the offseason because everyone touted him as a, like a 15, 20 home run guy. I mean, there is power there, but it's a work in progress. He's not at that level yet to where or he can maybe hit 10, 12 home runs this year if you're lucky, but as long as he's hitting for average, he's batting second, so the runs are going to be there. RBI opportunities, and he could still steal double-digit bases. So if he gives you 10 to 12 home runs and stolen bases, combined with the rest of the package, I would be extremely happy with that. Well, how happy would you be to have Michael Conforto in your lineup? He, too, is red hot. Sunday went 3-for-4 with the home run. Batting average is now up to 361. It's a two-pronged question with, with Conforto. Do you trust the production with him, and do you plus trust the playing time? I'm a Conforto homer. I traded for him last year, and he's somebody that I've always liked, and I just believe Terry Collins is the one that's held him back. When he was up last year, Collins kept on stressing for him to hit for power. He's not a big power guy. He's more of a gap power doubles guy that'll give you 15, maybe 20 home runs in a good year, but he's definitely a good batting average guy. And now the playing time should be there because dude is out. The safety net is gone with Flores. He's on the DL, so Bruce is basically stuck at first base. So Collins has no choice, basically, but to put Conforto in there. And I think with a week or two of him actually producing and proving to everybody what he can do, Collins is going to have no choice but to find room for him, and it'll probably be at the expense of Curtis Granderson once uh, everybody is healthy. You know, it would seem that way. I was looking into that. I mean, I haven't seen any statements from Collins or anybody about Granderson losing playing time. Uh, Duda could be back some sometime this week, theoretically. Do you think that maybe even when he comes back, maybe Duda loses some playing time and, and they uh, put Bruce at first just to keep Conforto in the lineup? Again, we're dealing with Terry Collins here. I mean, I'd like Duda to be out for another week just to give Conforto a bigger chance to shine. If Duda does come back early, we could see Conforto push back to that uh, fourth outfield role, and that would just break my heart because he's got the talent. It's it's almost like Moneyball where he's like, I'm playing him at first base. Uh, I I just traded him. (laughs) You almost need to force Terry Collins to put him in your lineup. And if he has another option, I think he's going to go with it. And sorry to say that's bad news for Conforto. Yeah, you know, we've had too much of that over the last couple of years. Uh, We've just seen there's, you know, I don't know. They're going to have to make room somewhere because eventually Dude will be back, whether it's this week or or next week. Uh, They're going to have to figure something out there. Now, Brandon Phillips. Somebody I feel like I haven't talked about on a podcast in eons. I haven't owned him in a league in eons. And I actually picked him up for an ESPN uh, 12-team mix league this weekend. Uh, I needed a replacement for Logan Forsythe. And I was looking at the uh, the waivers. I thought there's got to be somebody better than Brandon Phillips. And yet the more I looked at it, the more I, I was actually happy to pick him up. He's got five stolen bases now. Picked up his fifth one on Sunday uh, against the Phillies. Went two for four in that game. That drove his batting average up to 343. Now, obviously, Phillips isn't going to hit 343, but 
is there enough there you think to use him, you know, not just as a fill-in, but long-term maybe in a, in a middle infield slot? Oh, easily for a middle infield slot. I mean, Phillips is one of these guys, I think we've all sort of uh, downplayed him over the years with the loss of the power and the speed figure, and there's, there's nothing there anymore, and he's just going to continue to decline. But like you, I, I started looking at him, I was like, the guy's hit over 290 for the past two years, and he still has the double-digit power and speed, which basically puts him in Ben Zobris territory, and everyone's usually high on Zobris, but nobody's given Phillips much of a chance. So if he can hit the 290, his spot, I mean, he's batting fifth or sixth, so he's going to have the RBIs. You get 20-something home runs and stolen bases. I mean, the production is there for easily for middle infield, and I think he's definitely someone that's being underrated and undervalued. Yeah, well, I've been a part of that problem, but uh, he just, yeah, every time we're able to write, or we think we're able to write off Brandon Phillips, he does come back with either surprising number of stolen bases, you know, the batting average, like you said, is pretty much a constant, or uh, the run production, you know, in Cincinnati, he was hitting cleanup a lot of the time. So, uh, yeah, uh, still too early to, to write Brandon Phillips off. Uh, Gerardo Parra, Parra, also with a two-for-four Sunday uh, with a home run against the Giants. Parra, also in the 300-plus club. He's batting 333 now. There's all kinds of intrigue. I mean, there was uh, Mark Reynolds with a huge game on Saturday night. Parra's hitting well. And then we've got the news that uh, Ian Desmond might not be far from returning. David Dahl's making progress. We talked a bit about uh, Reynolds on the Sunday show. I talked with... um, our, our colleague Greg Jewett, but we didn't really talk about Para. I mean, what's his long-term value in that Rockies uh, very crowded Rockies lineup? Um, I think he's going to want to be in that number four guy. I mean, Bud Black said the other day that Ian Desmond could see time in the outfield. Is Reynolds is hitting so well at first base? I mean, there's a reclamation project guy who used to be a high strikeout guy, and all of a sudden he's hitting for contact and average, so he's not going to get pushed out of the way at first. And if Desmond goes to the outfield, you got the returning David Dahl. I, I don't see room for Para unless they pull off some sort of trade because Blackman's not coming out of the lineup. Cargo's not coming out of the lineup, and they paid a lot of money for Ian Desmond, so he's going to be in there. So Para's going to have to fight for time or hope someone gets hurt. Well, Ed, you know, two two separate people, at least I don't think they colluded in any way, uh, two different people uh, sent me messages on Twitter this morning asking the same question. Do I think David Dahl will get sent down when he comes back to make room for Para? I, I honestly don't. I mean, what I said is it's possible. It, it doesn't strike me as a crazy thing to ask about, but I don't really expect it to happen. It even, if like Dahl doesn't, even if Dahl doesn't get, or even if Dahl does get sent down, Pyra is still the fourth guy with Ian Desmond playing the outfields. Well, that's a very so, good point. I mean, yeah. there's no room for really either one of them at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You have the Reynolds, uh, is a Renaissance season so far. It's really, you know, creating some problems, uh, you know, maybe for, for Dahl and for, uh, and for Harada Para. Uh, Mitch Haniger, another another big game. Three for four against the A's with a double, now batting 321. And uh, I think about a week, week and a half ago, he, you know, he had the power, he had the speed, but the batting average wasn't there. And all of a sudden, Haniger hitting well over 300. Do you think this is a sell-high moment for Mitch Haniger, uh, and particularly in regard to the batting average? I just I didn't expect him to be a big batting average guy. Uh, in terms of his approach at the plate, uh, you know, pretty pole heavy. 
you th- you think it's uh, time to sell Haniger, or or, is, or would you regret it? I don't know if you can sell high on him. I mean, he's he doesn't have that major league profile. I mean, he has decent numbers in the minors, but he has a hot month in the majors. How much can you really get for a player like that? I mean, you usually don't get the, the level of talent in return for a player that's off to a hot start that you don't know what you're going to get. You're definitely, if you try and trade him, I think you're going to wind up, unless that person is like a Seattle fan or super high on Hanniger, you're not going to get the value that he's providing right now. So as far as trading him, as far as selling him high, if you can get full value for him, I might entertain that. But otherwise, I would probably just hold on to him because right now the batted ball profile and his plate discipline numbers, they all check out. The strikeouts are manageable. The walk rate's there. So all his numbers say he can continue this. So I might hold on to him and just see. It's hard to do. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to give up on a player like that that you drafted probably late is off to a great start. Uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm having that problem with Cesar Hernandez in a couple of leagues where I'm, I'm, you know, I've uh, kind of put together in my mind a couple of trades, but not actually put them out there because I kind of want to see what's there. But, I, you know, I think it's at least something to think about if you're if you're a Mitch Hanniger owner. Um, well, Jim, we uh, have some pitchers. We haven't really talked about the great pitching performances yet from Sunday. So we've got several of those to talk about. Um, some names that you would expect and some names that you wouldn't expect. So stay with us until after the break. We'll come back. We're going to run those pictures down, you know, in a figurative sense. We'll be right back. Welcome back to FanRags Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melvier, your host with me today. As our guest, also for FanRags Sports, is Jim Finch. Before Jim and I talk about some of the uh, really notable pitching performances from Sunday, I want to tell you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a wizard of the waiver wire and learn to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. So go get the the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. There's some special performances on Sunday from pitchers that we, uh, you know, certainly if you put them in your rotation, you hope for that. You Darvish uh, against the Royals, got his second win of the season. Max Scherzer, uh, good, uh, good performance, maybe not his best, but a, a good performance uh, against the Mets. And uh, also Brandon McCarthy, who you wouldn't necessarily put in that same category, but another strong start from him. He's now 3-0 and with a 2-2-5 ERA. Uh, he's, I think, you know, uh, verging on, if not already uh, in the must-start category, Brandon McCarthy. But, Jim, uh, we got uh, several other pitchers to talk about. Marcus Stroman, I think he's another one. You, you would expect him to be pretty reliable, but would you necessarily expect him to have two complete games 
out of his first four starts. I know I wouldn't have expected that. Uh, he went the distance against the Angels, gave up seven hits, uh, just one walk, just one earned run, and five strikeouts. So the story with Stroman is you know, very, very uh, efficient, giving you lots of innings, uh, but not a lot of strikeouts. So where, I mean, does that make him good enough to start every week? As long as the ratios are there, I can usually, I can usually forgive the lack of strikeouts. But it's something you would hope would turn around. I mean, his last, his, he had a great start last time, but he also got blown out by Boston before that. So he's still a work in progress. He has a lot of upside and somebody that I would pretty much run out there every start. Overall, I like him, but like, like you said, the lack of strikeouts, yeah, that could be bothersome for some, but he's still putting up the numbers. So I, he's still somebody of interest to me. Yeah, yeah. I He's mean, still high you know, on my he should. Yeah, it, it's just a question. Of, you know, do, is he a must start? You know, if he gets one start with a tough matchup, uh, you know, I think in a, in a points league, there's no question because he's going to give you the innings. But in a, in a roto league, I don't think I'd do it very often. But I mean, he he'd be somebody I would you know at least have on the bubble uh, if I needed uh, the strikeouts for that week. Um, now, kind of going to the maybe the other end of the spectrum in terms of. Uh, you know, something we had on our radar on draft day, Bronson Arroyo with a really, really nice start. And against the Cubs, no less. Six innings, three hits, two runs, no walks. Uh, so that's a signature Arroyo stat line. Seven strikeouts, not necessarily signature Arroyo. Um, is there something here? He's gotten better in every single start. No, I'm, I'm pretty much equate him to uh, how we saw... Bartolo Colon, I think it was in 2013 when he got off to that hot start, and everyone was like, hey, look at that. And we just sort of went, okay, and just sort of moved on. Is it for real? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not buying it. I want to see at least two or three more starts before I even consider picking him up, and I think a lot of people out there are the same way, just looking at his career. I mean, he makes a good spot starter, but not somebody that I would want to pick up and stash just to see if this is for real. Well, you know, that just even saying you'd use him in a, in a spot, it's, you know, that's an upgrade from at the beginning of the season when I think nobody gave him a chance to do anything. So This is true. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Arroyo, uh, you know, a few years back when he was in his prime, I mean, not a strikeout pitcher, obviously, but somebody who had great command and actually could give you sort of a Stroman-like performance, uh, you know, not with the ground balls the way that Stroman does, but, you know, go deep into games, be very efficient, not walk very many batters, get outs. Uh, you know, at, at his advanced age, uh, be pretty cool to see him get back to that form. Kyle Freeland, another good start for him. Uh, seven scoreless innings for Freeland. Six hits, just one walk. Three strikeouts against the Giants. And you know how, the, you know, like there's, you know, pitching him addicts. Uh, you know, I wonder if that, I, I want to come up with a term like pitching a sensatella. Like when you pitch seven innings and you don't strike anybody out, but you don't walk anybody. Like so I think Freeman just tossed a Sensatella. Um, is there something here to Kyle Freeland, or is it just that the Giants really having a lot of problems? And, and this is you know on the offensive side. We're not even talking about the rotation now with the loss of Madison Bumgarner. Um, is that lineup now an easy matchup for opposing pitchers? I mean, it's a sort of a combination of that. Yeah, the Giants are bad, and if you have a pitcher going against them, you can almost be guaranteed some sort of a quality start. But uh, 
Freeland, I don't know. He's just part of that next-generation Colorado ground ball pitcher that I'm not really sure what to make of him. I mean, he's got like a 65% ground ball rate. But and but he doesn't strike out that many guys. The one thing that does worry about me is the walk. I mean, he's got the nice ERA, but when you got a whip of 1-4-0, you get anything above a 1-3-0 for me, and I start to worry. You just get a whip up there with the walk rate. And I start to wonder when the bottom's going to fall out. But with his ground ball rate, he could actually sustain these numbers. That's Yeah, that's a tricky thing with pitchers. Like you said, 60-plus percent ground ball rate. I mean, you could have an Aaron Cook type or Jake Westbrook type that just they allow so much contact that all those ground balls, there's just enough of them that, that get through that. It doesn't make them viable. But, you know, there's there's just, you know, kind of a notch above that somewhere between the Jake Westbrook and the Dallas Keuchel, you know, that is you're not really sure what to make of them. And I agree. I think Kyle Freeland is kind of in that in in that uh, no man's land. Um, so I need to you know, we need to see a little bit more from him. Uh, Zach Eflin also threw a Senzatella seven innings pitched uh, just one run allowed three hits allowed no walks. And three strikeouts. So very similar line to Kyle Freeland. Uh, this against the Braves. So um, Eflin, uh, you know, at this point, uh, just, you know, f- uh, filling in. But um, yeah, I'll admit, this this surprised me. Uh, so, I mean, is, where's his value at? What what sort of league you think? He's got a bandbox for a home park and a 50% fly ball rate. So right there, you got two things that bother me about him. I mean, yeah, he's off to a hot start and doing well, but he's not somebody that I would even consider unless you're playing like a weaker offensive team. I mean, the Braves, they're doing a little bit better this year, but they're not the end-all be-all when it comes to hitting teams. So I'll, I'll give him the good start there, but I don't think I would trust him at least until I see three or four more good starts out of him. I'd put him above Bronson Arroyo just because of the upside, but I'm still not trusting him yet. Well, you know, looking at this whole Philly situation, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we got Aaron Nola missing a start or two with uh, a sore back. Um, So if they do bring up, let's say, Nick Pavetta, who I think is a higher upside pitcher, uh, then when Nola comes back, I mean, you think Eflin keeps the spot at least? It all depends on what everyone else is doing. I mean, he's got a chance to, but I think he still has the options to where they may send him down or possibly put him in, in a bullpen just to stabilize that and just to keep him around in case somebody else get, gets injured or they need a long relief guy. He's got a chance to stick in the majors, but I don't know if he has enough to stick as a starter. Well, I think that's fair. You know, I think, uh, again, you know, being more of a contact pitcher, I think that's, you know, that's the right way to look at it. Uh, now, uh, opposing him for the Braves was Mike fulton He also went seven innings, and uh, he got nine strikeouts, though, which is closer to what you'd expect from him. Two walks, though, so that was encouraging. Four hits, just one run allowed for fulton Um Where are you at with, with this guy? Because... Uh, He's one of these very frustrating pitchers for me that every time I buy in, he, he blows up and usually blows up for two or three starts in a row. So do you have uh, much conf- confidence in fulton right now? I don't have the confidence, but I have more confidence in him than I do the rest of the pitchers that we've talked about or, or the rest of the guys I've been low on so far that we've talked about. I mean, he's got the contact rate, which is good. I mean, the strikeouts are there, 
the walk rate, just like a, lot, a few of the other guys I talked about, that's bothersome, but he's able to offset that with being such a low-hit guy with strikeouts. So uh, I, he hasn't done anything since spring training really to make me believe that he can't continue this. I mean, I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop, and it and it hasn't, and I've missed out on him in basically any league I could have him in, so I'm not going to get the chance to see if he can do that on my team, but he's somebody I'm, I'm very intrigued on. I'm not fully confident, but I'm cautiously optimistic. No. That's uh, that's good, you know, because I I definitely buy into the caution part. <laughs> I've just lost some of the optimism, but this last start, you know, definitely uh, uh, could could pull me back in. <laughs> um, well, even his last start, he didn't have the strikeouts, but still, it was yeah. seven innings and two runs. So that's a good point. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about Eduardo Rodriguez? Because he's another one who's who's been up and down. Uh, this is a good start against the Orioles on Sunday. Six scoreless innings with seven strikeouts. A one one hit performance, but five walks. And with Rodriguez, it's it's kind of like a game of whack a mole where maybe he has has good control, but then he gives up the home runs. He gets the home runs under control, uh, you know, and then it's the hits. So I mean, do you hold out hope that Rodriguez pulls it all together? Is he somebody that you should be be patient with right now? Not really, because not only does he have the high walks, he's got the high fly ball rate. And you put a walk rate above four with a fly ball rate close to 50% for the past two years, and you're just asking for trouble in that park. You add on a 30%, 36% hard contact rate, and he's just asking for trouble. So he's he will get you the... Cr- a few good games because of his strikeout ability, but because of the control issues, you're going to have some games in between that you think could be cakewalks where he's just going to absolutely blow up. So here's a trade uh, I was thinking of proposing. Uh, it hadn't floated out there yet, and hopefully the, the potential trade partner isn't listening. Um, who would you rather have, Eduardo Rodriguez or Taiwan Walker? Taiwan Walker. All right, well, me too. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> Avon <laughs> uh, Nova, another. One. Well, thank you, Avon <laughs> Nova. What uh, I've seen termed uh, some uh, uh, media outlets as a revenge start against the Yankees: uh, seven innings, one run allowed, just four hits, one walk. A walk, my goodness! Nova issued a walk, uh, but struck out seven in this one. Uh, I mean, the, clearly the control for Nova is just superb. Um, is that enough? to uh, keep him around on your 12-team mixed roster? Oh, he's a staple on many of my teams. I don't know how long this is going to last, but he's definitely somebody you want to continue to ride. His numbers look good to where I think he could continue this. I mean, you're in Pittsburgh, and basically sort of like St. Louis, anybody that goes to the Pittsburgh uh, pitching staff, they just seem to turn into a completely different player. So I think he can keep this up. I'm not guaranteeing that he will, but I think he can keep this up pretty much all year. And, yeah, he's definitely somebody I would I would even probably target him if another owner is hesitant on uh, him not being able to maintain this. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, one more, Jim, uh, before our next break. Giovanni Gallardo, um, a, a good performance. Uh, he hasn't had uh, many. Uh, six in the third innings. Four hits allowed, just one run, just one walk, but seven strikeouts. That's probably the most surprising part of that line. At Oakland, 
is is Gallardo somebody to start taking an interest in again? Not until I see a few more games out of him. I mean, last year he just completely collapsed with the Orioles, so I want to see a little bit more out of him. He he has that uh, ability to be a decent pitcher, pitcher sort of like uh, Vargas, have that three-and-a-half, four ERA to where he can be a useful middle reliever, back-of-the-rotation guy. But until I see a few more starts out of him, I'm not fully buying into him into one start. Yeah, no, me neither. Uh, surprising line, but uh, not enough yet for me to, to go out and get them in just about any format. So, uh, Jim, well, we're going to head to break, but uh, you write the two-star pitcher column. There are a few uh, who are on teams that are going to have today off, so you might still be able to get for the two-star week. We will let you know who those pitchers are when we come back. Back everybody to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host Al Melchior, and with me today from FanRag Sports is Jim Finch, and we're going into the uh, final segment here. We're, we're going to take this one slow, I guess. Uh, if I'm going to take a cue from our, our intro music, uh, just a few news items to catch you up on before we talk about some two-star pitchers. Earlier in the show, I made the statement Zach Britton hasn't even played catch yet. Well. This is the beauty of live radio. Uh, I get to uh, update that situation on the show. Zach Britton has thrown today. So uh, some progress there. Again, he probably will still need to uh, make some rehab, rehab appearances. And he was going to go see a hand specialist, or maybe that has already happened as well. Uh, but Zach Britton making some progress. And also the White Sox lineup is out. Uh, nothing uh, much there. Uh, Todd Frazier, we talked about earlier in the show. He's in the lineup, although uh, Jim was saying maybe he shouldn't be in your fantasy lineup this week, but he is in the White Sox lineup. Lurie Garcia getting the start in center field. The Matt Davidson, the DH against the lefty Jason Vargas. So maybe some power potential there for Matt Davis Davidson. Excuse me. Uh, all right, Jim. Well, uh, as uh, mentioned a few times, you write the two-star pitchers column and for a lot of the pitchers that you mentioned, uh, you know, there's there's not much that owners can do because uh, they may be in leagues where you know you, you have to put in a waiver claim overnight. But there are a number of, of uh, two star pitchers on teams that have today off, so uh, you may be able to pick them up for Tuesday. Although again, some leagues don't let you use uh, a player you picked up, but in some leagues this could be relevant. So out of these five, Jim, uh, who do you think? is actually worth using this week with two starts. We've got Robert Giselman versus the Braves versus the Nationals. Jordan Zimmerman versus the Mariners versus the White Sox. Wei-Yin Chen at the Phillies versus the Pirates. Josh Tomlin at home against the Astros and Mariners. And Jesse Hahn at home against the Angels and the Astros. So anybody there in a league where you could actually still use somebody that you pick up tonight who... Uh, Who's worth your time? I'm probably going with Chen over all these guys. I mean, I had him as questionable just because the Mets game that he got blown out on to start before just showed his human side. But otherwise, he's been solid pretty much from spring training all the way through his last game. The 
Pirates aren't hitting right now. The Phillies are striking out a lot, and they're near the bottom of the league for uh, walks and home runs. So he's probably the safest bet to give you, at a minimum, a quality start, but I'm picturing a little bit better numbers than that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like those matchups a lot. Um, so that, uh, you know, the Pirates, surprisingly, have really struggled against lefties, even with all those uh, righties that they have in the lineup. So, Jim, well, we're just about out of time. So thank you for the great advice. Thank you for joining me today. Check uh, out Jim's work on FanRag Sports. Uh, I am your host, Al Melchior, and we will be back on Thursday. So hope to see you then. Good luck in week four. Until then. <laughs>